Hello and welcome back to the KI Prime podcast. My name's Alina Jenkins and today I'm talking to Dr. Laura Svahn. Laura is PhD, is an assistant professor at the Institute of Medical Education Research in Rotterdam of the Erasmus MC. She has a background in cognitive psychology and epidemiology and attained a PhD degree from the VU University Medical Center in Amsterdam. Laura is fascinated by how clinicians make complex decisions under uncertainty and her research focuses on on improving the clinical reasoning process. Laura, welcome. Thank you. So let's just start start from the very beginning. You have a background in psychology. How did you then move into the world of medical education research? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I started as a really fundamental cognitive psychologist researcher, looking at attentional capture, how letters on the screen would capture attention and why some parts would not. And it was interesting, but to me, it lacked some practical application. So I wanted to do research that had that had more impact or mattered more. So and then there was a position available at the VU University Medical Center to look at medical errors from the cognitive psychology perspective. So how, why do medical errors occur? What kind of errors do humans make? And that really spiked my interest. And I could come up with a topic myself. So together with my supervisors, we decided to focus on clinical reasoning and diagnostic error. And well, that topic has really, that topic has actually really captured my attention. <laughs> and um, I, I worked on this topic ever since from multiple perspectives. And now after working in patient safety for a long time, now I'm looking at it a little bit more from medical education perspective, but still... Yeah, clinical reasoning, diagnostic errors is the main topic of my work. And that's, it's a, it's a big area to cover, actually, isn't it? How do you go about this? Just describe some of the methods, because what you're trying to understand is how our brain works and how we make decisions. Yeah. So, um, the topic of diagnostic error in clinical reasoning is fairly new. Within patient safety, it has been overlooked for a very long time. So there is still a lot to investigate. And I look at it from multiple perspectives. In my PhD, I looked at how often do these errors occur? What are the consequences? What cognitive processes happen? Is it knowledge? Is it bias? What factors play a role? Um, and so I'm right now working with several of my PhD students and they all have a different topic. With one PhD student, we really look at how does the process work and how does a good process differ from a process where things went wrong. We actually find that there's not even that many differences in the processes where it went well or, or wrong. It's more like if it goes wrong, they, they didn't have the right content specific knowledge to get to the right diagnosis. But it's not really that they take more shortcuts or that they really approach it differently. And uh, with another PhD student, we're looking at how we can learn from malpractice claims because they're very impactful errors. And we look, how can we use those examples in education to improve the primary care trainee, um, yeah, the tr primary care training? Mm. You mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that this, this area has been overlooked for a long time. Why was it? Overlooked because this is a it's a big big problem. Yeah, well, I think there are several reasons. The first one, I think, it's very complex. It's not one of the low hanging fruit within patient safety, so that made the threshold of really starting this work uh, a little higher. I think there has been a culture change over time for patient safety. Uh, in the past, people were really like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about medical errors," 
And I think especially talking about diagnostic errors, that would come even closer because the diagnosis is really something that especially physicians feel as their core task. So it's really difficult to to talk about errors. And now the culture is changing. So it's more, there are more possibilities to, to, to talk about this. People increasingly understand that everyone makes mistakes uh, and that we can learn from them and it will only improve. Mm. And I think now time is right for this topic to be addressed. Yeah. You mentioned that that often diagnostic errors happen through lack of knowledge or somebody's bias. Are there other factors that you're looking at from, from your area of research? Yeah, well, there's a lot of system-related factors also. We've analyzed a lot of serious adverse events recently that happened in hospitals in the Netherlands. And we see that there's also uh, the interaction with the electronic health record, um, laboratory tests that the result doesn't come true for some reason, either because someone didn't see it in the system or it wasn't communicated correctly. So that is another type of factor that also causes diagnostic errors that I don't look into much, but of course it's often an, it's a multiple causes at the same time. Someone didn't think about something. That's why they didn't look for the laboratory results. Then if someone didn't call, that sort of interacts and together results in an error. Yeah, I know that this is very much a teamwork, as you said. You've got your yeah. your PhD students, and um, I know that this is quite important for you. Like this multidisciplinary collaboration that that you're that you're that you're looking at. So, just to tell me about some of the other areas, the other team members that you've got working with you on this. Yeah, so with uh, a PhD student who is also doing training in general practice, we're looking at um, the role of shared decision making, which I think is very important in the diagnostic process, also. Shared decision-making is a very interesting topic that people, patients together with their clinicians more often make decisions about treatments together. This has really picked up, but not in the diagnostic process. And if you look at general practice where patients often think they want a test or need a test, but there are a lot of downsides to this. Having this shared decision-making discussion in primary care uh, is very important because patients understand better the decisions of the clinician. And the clinician know, can learn more about why the patient would like, for example, a test. Mm. Uh, so I think it will be more a tailored diagnostic process, which is, a, I think, an important next step. And um, another, uh, again, quite different project that is running together with uh, the Haga Hospital in the Netherlands is on safety too. And safety too is instead of looking at things that go wrong, looking at things that go right. Because a lot of things actually go really well, especially in a complex environment, a diagnostic process, information doesn't come all at once. Sometimes all of a sudden you get a new piece of information which changes the situation or a disease is evolving over time. All of these things need to be taken into account. So sometimes it's actually really surprising that something went so well. Uh, so now we're looking at those factors that were going surprisingly well and we compare sort of the practice variation, things that some doctors do in a certain way and others do do some of them do it better than others. And we sort of look at how the variation for certain steps in the diagnostic process take place. And then we discuss if we can sort of implement those best practices better. And we all do this in a small scale in the, in the emergency department there. But I think it has a lot of promise of also having people change their mindset 
mm-hmm. into th- identifying things that actually go really well. So that's a different approach, but I think very helpful in reducing diagnostic errors. Mm-hmm. I, I know you did quite a piece of work a few years ago with radiologists and how they make sort of split decisions mm-hmm. when looking at, at x-rays. And has that impacted yes. your this area of research as well? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting how radiologists and, and I think also other visual specialties in der- dermatology probably also, within a split second, uh, they know what the diagnosis is. And actually, very often it's said that there's people, clinicians should take more time for decisions, but actually the best ones is when they're, you're quick because you recognize it and this is all right. And in my opinion, and the research also showed that, is that if you practice with a lot of different examples of the same disease, you will get better at quick recognition. And I think this has important implications for medical education because you need to make sure learners at every stage can be medical students, but also people in in clinical practice with a lot of experience should be exposed to a lot of variation of cases. Right now, um, there's a lot of morbidity and mortality conferences where a case that went wrong is discussed extensively. But I would love to see that instead of only this one case where it goes wrong, they also add a lot of cases where had similar presentations but turned out to be the same or something else. So your practice variation in your head, the, the, the script that you have of a disease gets enriched and you'll be better at identifying a disease quickly. Yeah. What are your, what are your hopes over the next few years? Where, where do you hope to be, say, in five years' time? Yeah, I, I hope to, uh, well, continue this line of research and try to investigate and find new opportunities for improving the diagnostic process in in education, to find different ways of getting the learners exposed to many different types of cases in clinical reasoning, um, so their education would become better. That's one thing. And also, I would love to find ways, for example, with artificial intelligence uh, that can give diagnostic suggestions and how could we do that in the best way to support clinicians in their diagnostic process. So that's another research line that I would love to set up further and, and develop. Have you have you had many conversations with Jerome, Dr. Jerome Rotgens in, in Singapore, mm-hmm. who I interviewed a couple of years ago for the for yeah. the previous KI Prime podcast? And he's doing lots of interesting things around neuroscience and clinical yeah. reasoning. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know him. We have actually collaborated on on some of that work and I think it's fascinating on how he uses this 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 brain imaging this this nurse i think it's called to identify how clinicians make decisions and how this pattern recognition can actually be seen in in this data that he has it's 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 fascinating yeah and and just before before you go um laura i'd i'd love to know your your thoughts on this experience of of the ki prime fellows mm-hmm. and and what it what it means to you and what you hope it might mean for your research as well mm-hmm. yeah this ki prime fellowship it's so far and it's only been one day, but it's, it's amazing. I've met a lot of new people that I didn't know, learned about their research. It is also a great way of sort of reflect on my own research and, and where I want to go and what my body of research actually entails, what my focus is. So it's really great to have this dedicated time and support and a network to further develop myself as a researcher. Yeah, well, I wish you the very best, Laura. It's lovely to speak to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone at home listening to the podcast. We'll be back very soon with another episode. I hope you can join us then. 